Hello and welcome to Blades Pod. It is Wednesday the 27th of March. My name is Ben. It's a double podcast week to try and get through this international break. It's almost Saturday again. Can't wait. Um, so we put out a call on Twitter, myself and Jay Blades Analytic to get your questions for us to answer on a podcast and we got loads of them uh, and we yeah we just spent an hour or so trying to hit as many of them as we can obviously you can't get into uh, super long detail on all of them on all of them because we wanted to make sure we got to uh, as many of them as we possibly could really so apologies if there's some slightly brief answers in here but yeah I hope you enjoy it all the same um if you missed it a couple of days ago, I also did a podcast with Kieran Maguire of PriceOfFootball.com. Kieran is a football finance expert. Uh, very kindly gave up some of his time to talk all things Sheffield United from a business and finance perspective. Um, I learned absolutely loads from this. Kieran's just uh, fantastic at breaking down, I guess, the details of clubs' accounts, but also in a way that is. Uh, easily understandable for those of us, i.e. myself, who aren't exactly experts on that kind of thing. So yeah, that one's out, uh, came out on Monday, so do go and check that out if you haven't done it already. Um, otherwise, I hope you enjoy this Whirlwind Mailbag podcast, and thanks very much for all your questions, for downloading, and for listening. So yeah, here you go, hope you enjoy. Joined now by Jay, Mr. Blades Analytics himself. How are you doing today, mate? All good, mate. All good. Bring on Saturday. I know. Can't come round soon enough. As much as I have enjoyed watching England score 10 goals in two games and generally be more enjoyable than they were, say, 12 months ago, I do desperately need some more Sheffield United football in my life, I think. A a, a sold-out Bramall Lane, potentially. Yeah, it looks like we're heading that way. Should be big crowds for the rest of the season, I suppose, particularly with the away games sort of selling out as well. But yeah, Um, so obviously on Twitter uh, about a week ago, asked for your questions or, or topics for discussion for a, a special mail pod, mail pod mail bag edition of this podcast maybe it could be called a mail pod as well um and we got <laughs> we got loads of them and we're going to try and get through as many of them today as we can in about an hour or so which means we probably won't be able to waffle on for quite as long as we want to for every single one we're going to try and keep it pretty brief and uh yeah i'll give i'll give you a hurry up if i feel we're waffling on too long but yeah there's a there's a lot to talk about here so Let's get cracking. So I'm going to start with uh, probably the most eloquent question received, I think. Uh, It's from Liam Brooke. He says, I have a question for you regarding Billy Sharp. Uh, It's not controversial in the slightest to say that Billy has always been a great goal scorer. However, as you've alluded to yourselves before, in games where Sharp doesn't score, he doesn't tend to contribute, apart from this season, which seems to have changed, uh, at least based on the eye test. Do the stats back this up? Or have we just previously underappreciated what Billy does? Uh, it seems to me he holds the ball up magnificently, is much more involved in the build-up play this year. He almost never seems to be responsible for his losing possession. I also wonder how much of this is to do with McGoldrick, who links play brilliantly and allows Sharp to never have, never need to drop deep. So, yeah, what do you think? Is, is there a change this season in what we've seen from Sharp, or is it, have we just kind of underappreciated what he actually does? Yes, and the stats back it up, there is a change. So I've broken down his, some, some key stats. You could pick loads, you could pick less. I, I've just picked some that I think kind of judge involvement um, from last season to this season. Funnily enough, Billy was involved in 34 games last season. So Billy's actually been involved in the same amount of games this season so far as he was last season, 34 either season at the minute. So it's quite an easy comparison. Um, so what I did is I looked at just some general kind of involvement stats from, from this season to last season. So, he has received 43 more passes this season so far. 
Mm. Bearing in mind we've got, what, eight games to go and you'd imagine Billy's going to be heavily involved in that. He has made more ball recoveries and he's made a lot more ball recoveries in the opposition half, which kind of shows that intensity and I guess a little bit more fitness as well. He's been involved in more duels and he's won more duels. He has played less passes but been more accurate with his passes and he's created 14 more chances this season than he did at this point last season. Mm. So, yes, quite frankly, the stats back it up. He's, his hold-up play, his possession losses have gone down. So he's, he's retaining the ball better, he's recycling the ball better, and he's creating more for others around him, as well as scoring more goals. So, yeah, he, he's he's improved, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I sort of yeah feel like we've probably underappreciated what he does in the past as well, I guess. But it does feel like the team, United, is just is built to basically maximise what Sharp can do really, really well, which is obviously get into those positions to score. And yeah, we've seen that this season. We're, I think we're one of the best teams in the league in terms of creating high-quality chances. We kind of that to an extent for some of last season as well. But I guess collectively as a team, we've been able to sustain that more this season. So it's it's kind of it's kind of felt like Sharp has done more this season as well. You know, if you've actually seen the, mm-hmm. the impact of that, obviously scored more goals and just, yeah, been much more heavily involved. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, haven't we? The sort of increased, his, his fitness levels seem probably at their their peak of what they've been potentially through his whole career almost. And yeah, we're, we're fortunately reaping the benefits of that. And so is he with his uh, team of the season nomination yesterday, which we probably don't have time to go into too much detail on, but go on. And, and player of the season top three, isn't he? He's in the he's in the so he's not only in the team this season, he's actually in the nomination for player of the season. He absolutely is, which which kind of leads on to question two, really, which is also from Liam Brooke. It was a, a good two parter. Uh he says, I was one of those people last year who wondered whether Sharp was a bit of a League One specialist with his best seasons all coming in that division. He's proved us wrong. Do you think he could make an impact if we got promoted to the Premier League? Uh go on, I'll let you have first go at that one as well. Some I guess the start of the season, I wouldn't say we didn't write Billy off, but we didn't think he was going to do this. No, I think um, we sort of thought probably about 10 or 12 goals, I think. Yeah, which I think was fair based on his last season and the standard average age curve for a player, if you will. But that doesn't seem to fit with Wilder. He's just a warlock and doesn't do average age stuff. Hmm. So it just it just doesn't matter. In my opinion, yes. Um, I think someone else, I'm just trying to find who it was. Someone else asked yeah. a similar question with regards to Glenn Murray. I've got that. And, uh, and Billy Sharp being similar. Yeah, it was uh, um, the SUFC project basically said if we made it, could Billy Sharp do a Glenn Murray? Yeah, and that's exactly what I think he could do. He could be, they're different players. Glenn's obviously a bit more of a focal point, a bit more of a target man, which kind of suits Brighton in the way they play. However, you have to assume that if this team goes up, as much as Wilder has shown a bit more pragmatism this season compared to last, we kind of always play two up front. Mm. McGoldrick can drop deeper, and I'm sure we will get onto who could add to the squad and whatnot, but. Regardless of what system we play, Chris Wilder is going to want to score goals and win games, which means Billy Sharp will always have support. Yes. Now, if he always has support, Billy Sharp will, will, will can play and score goals. Mm-hmm. You know, if you play, play him up top on his own, in Adkins, we saw the odd 4-5-1 or 4-2-3-1 with Sharp up top on his own. It's never going to work because as much as he's a great striker at running channels and he actually bullied the lead centre-halves in the last game, you can't play him consistently up there on his own. You just you just can't. He's going to get isolated. Yeah. So he needs people around him, which is what he has with us at the minute. And I think that, yes, all right, I don't think he'd set the world alight in the Premier League in terms of goals, but I think he could because, like you rightly say, we're creating high-quality chances. Now, you might question, could we continue to create those? But I'm going to say we, we, we could certainly do it to a, a certain level. Yeah. And if we could, he is one of the best people in any league at finishing them. 
Yeah, I, I don't have too much to add to that. I completely agree. Yeah, if if we got promoted, I would imagine we'd try and play pretty much exactly the same way with largely the same core of players. Obviously, there'd be a drop-off in you know <laughs> how many chances we actually create, how much yeah, possession yeah. we have, etc. Obviously, there would be a drop-off, but as you rightly say, we would still create some chances. Sharp is going to be the best player available to us, I would imagine, without spending ridiculous amounts of money or getting extremely lucky in the transfer market to finish those chances off so yeah if we got promoted I I think he will still be a key part of the team absolutely probably Mm -hmm. you know just as you say with that age curve maybe maybe playing maybe less minutes and you know therefore getting less opportunities but would I be stunned to see him score eight nine ten goals in the Premier League if if we were there next season not remotely I don't think um cool all right next question uh I have no idea what this assorted jumble of letters to make up a Twitter (laughs) handle is but at T-R-H-J-C-E-D-F asks, which current United first team player do you think has the highest ceiling? Now, I presume he's not referring to the size of uh, his house here. He's talking about the potential <laughs> for improvement. Um, uh, to me, there's only one, one, answer. one, one answer. answer here if we are discounting players who are currently on loan. But even then, I think it's still only one answer, and that is Jack yeah. O'Connell. You agree with that? 100%. There's yeah. no other answer. That's not to say the squad. Go on. Yeah, going to say that's not to say the rest of the squad hasn't got growth, but I think Jack O'Connell can play for England in twelve months. I completely agree. I actually think he probably will do. I think he will be playing in the Premier League within that period of time. Um, You know, he's just everything that a modern centre back needs to be. He's incredible at defending, which is something that you know sort of sometimes gets like left out of what a modern center back is i suppose yeah he's great on the ball his athleticism is just ridiculous that 11k covered every single game that is mad that's more than a lot of central midfielders cover he plays almost every minute of every game this is the first time this season those three i think it was three or four games with like west brom and wednesday and middlesbrough where he's played where he hasn't played um and obviously yeah. he plays full tilt he's still bursting into the box so Physically and athleticism-wise, got all the attributes. His age kind of profile, if you like, is is bang on. You know, 24, 25 is still developing. We have yep. seen incredible development in the last few years. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're right. There is only one answer here, to be honest, and Jack O'Connell is it for me. Yeah, snap. Can't really add more. The only thing I would say is I've heard it mentioned before, not necessarily by United fans, but certainly discussed by some about is maybe the only negative, a lack of pace, perhaps, off the mark now. You know, with a centre-half, positional sense always comes into that, doesn't it? Mm. Maguire was never the fastest, but always seems to get there. But the other thing with Jack, as you say, is he's running 11k every game. So do you actually know how much pace he's got? Yeah. Like, have you have we seen him just play at centre-half and just have to do those little 10-yard bursts? Because we kind of did against Leeds and he covered every bit of ground that was say, asked of him. So I have to say, I don't think I've ever witnessed a moment where I've thought, geez, O'Connell, you know, was left left in the dust a bit there. Yeah. And you look at England's, you know, current crop of centre halves as well. Oh, I, I wouldn't say any of them have, have massive pace. I mean, you know, that's possibly why Cal Walker was used as a as a wide yeah, yeah. wide centre back in the World Cup. But you know, it, it hasn't impacted the ability of uh, of Stones or Maguire or um it's, uh, Keane, for example. It's the other thing as well with the left foot natural balance. That what that brings to what Wilder has shown more than anyone. What that brings to a team is it opens the pitch up within one touch. Mm. And for England, that's a big thing right now because although they've dropped the 3 5 2, which I'm kind of glad we'll get onto that, you know, maybe another day, but for England, I'm glad they have and they've gone to this 4 3 3. 
it, it, it still needs opening up. You know, we still need to hit the wings quick because that's where our best players are. So you have a left-footed centre-half who can open the play up quick and there isn't many better left-footed centre-halves in the country. No. You think of English left-footed centre-halves, Jack O'Connell's the best. I would but say I so, unless I'm missing somebody super obvious, but I really don't think I am. Well, I don't think I am either. I, you know, I, so, you know, I don't think it'd be long before he plays for England. I just hope he's with us while that happens. It would be very nice indeed. All right, next one. Uh, Cameron Bagshaw asks, are you worried about the possibility of all points <laughs> earned against Bolton being wiped out if no. they were to liquidate? No, no. I'll take it. I'll take it quick from my point of view. No, because us Leeds and Norwich have all played Bolton and beat them twice. So we'd all lose six points if this happened, which it won't because it just doesn't happen like this. The only thing that people were commenting on is West Brom would get a little bit closer maybe. I think that works. But then I don't think West Brom would be in that race even if they were only four points behind. They cannot get as many points as we can, uh, as in us three teams. So no, not a problem at all. Yeah, I think people tend to do that a little bit, don't they? They look at at the size of the gap and think like, well, that's not very many points. But then if you... If you sort of look at it from the perspective, as you say, of like, will they get four points more than us for the rest of the season? That feels yeah. incredibly unlikely. It would, um, I think it would move Wednesday further down the table, though. It, uh, it, it <laughs> might be beneficial for that reason. Yeah. Mind you, we, we might want, as, we, you know, as we've discussed before, we might want them in the race, considering their next five or six games. Ah, yeah. Absolutely true. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about that um, because no. I don't think it actually harms us. And also, as you say, I don't think it is going to happen. At it all, won't happen. To be honest, no. Um, right, this this was. I'm going to pause my um, stopwatch for this one because this is going to need. <laughs> this is going to need. Uh, this will be one of the longer ones, I think. So I love this one. This is great. I really enjoyed this, and there's a uh, probably actually found this easier to do than uh, another one we're going to do in a minute. But um, yeah, Peter Thompson asks, "What is your most valuable championship eleven? So that's based on estimated transfer fee. Um, mm-hmm. So, well. I'll, no, I'll, I'll let you go first. Actually, go on. Or, yeah, get, go on. Do you want to get? Do you want to go position by position? Yeah, let, or... actually, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, let's do position by position. Okay, so I went Jack Butland in the net. I also did that. So, do you want to give a quick why you would why he's why he's your most valuable goalkeeper? Although he's not pulled up the trees, I thought he would in the championship. Um, I, I think he's levelled out because of his environment. I think Jack Butland is an excellent young goalkeeper. He always has been. And I think if Stoke were to sell him, they would at least get 15 to £20 million. Pounds. The only other goalkeeper in the league, I think, who can command value is probably Dean Henderson. Mm. And um, I, I try to discount loan players in this because otherwise it's not a valuable championship transfer. 11, I, if you get what I, mean. I did exactly the same, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, you can't really include Mason Mount in this because it's, you know, he's, he's Premier League value because he's going back to Chelsea at the end of the season. So for me, there's no goalkeeper worth more than Jack Butland. Yeah, I went Butland as well. I mean, a running trend through this is I, I picked a lot of English players because uh, yes. <laughs> you, know, you get a bit of yes. an English premium. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think, yeah, somebody would spend 15 million on Jack Butland. You know, he's, he's still in the England squad, I think, or around the England squad. Uh, he's still pretty young, Calder, I reckon he is, off the top of your head, you know, is he like 28 20, maybe? 26, 27. 26, yeah, Jesus. He's got like another 10 years of, uh, of top, exactly. top flight football. Uh, he's not even he's not even his prime for a goalkeeper yet. He's already been yeah. very good in the Premier League. He's just happened to be in a bad environment at Stoke. I think actually he needs a change, quite frankly. And I mm. hope they sell him in the summer to a Premier League club because I think he's a good goalkeeper in there. Certainly better than Jordan Pickford. Yeah, right. So on to the defenders. So I have our own Jack O'Connell because... Uh, just signed a Correct. new contract, English. We just sung his praises. Uh, well, we t- 
we, got, we turned down 8 million for him in last season. So exactly. considering he's already increased value and the team has increased its own value, he's worth at least 12 to 15 now. And there's not many defenders worth more than that. So Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my uh, other two. Uh, to be honest, I'm a bit, not a fish out of water with defenders, but I find it harder to remember <laughs> ones that are really good, I suppose, who are not old and... Oh, are you, are you playing three at the back? I am going to play three at the back purely because okay. I've stocked my team with attacking talent. So I've gone like for it. Max Ahrens, the uh, Norwich defender. I'm just checking. I've actually got his name right. <laughs> is that the right? Yeah, yeah. Norwich defender. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah. is 19 20. years old. 19, I think yeah. he's English. So he's in these kind of under 21 shakeup. Uh, that those are big ticks when it comes to value. Uh, and on a similar theme, I've gone Lloyd Kelly as well at Bristol City, who's uh, pretty involved in the okay. England under-21 squad. Uh, you know, he's part of a, a pretty good defence so far this season. I think it's the third tightest defence for goals conceded or thereabouts. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've stocked it with uh, young English players in lieu of like actually knowing who is a good defender at championship level that isn't Jack O'Connell or John Egan. <laughs> that's fine I went 4-3-3 I went three, three and, I, and I there's a you know all the squad questions that we've had mm. I've done a concurrent thing where I've played the game properly and picked actual positions so yeah. I picked two fullbacks and two centre-backs because I'm, I'm football manager-esque that's smart. in this way yeah so I've gone obviously Max Aaron's at right back I've gone Jack O'Connell at centre-half Jamal Lewis was my left back although I have got a slash with Lloyd Kelly there mm. so I, th- I think that's a a general split. I think Lewis maybe is, a, is to the Norwich left back. Yeah, Norwich he is, left he, back. he is indeed. And then I've gone for the other centre half, Esri Consa at Brentford. He, um, I had it, I had him as one of my uh, substitutes. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. He's, Again, he's, he's not twenty-one, isn't he? Yeah, England under 21, not the greatest. He's been in and out of form this season. So when we went down there and scored three, he was poor. Um, but he's had some good games as well and he's got a good pedigree, good upbringing. He's always got linked with Arsenal and Tottenham. He, he's just, he's a good young ball playing centre-back and he's just out of that Brentford mould. They'll just improve him for two years and then sell him on at his peak of his value and he'll go for 12 to 15 million quid. So Yeah, definitely. All right, midfield. So you say you've got three midfielders. I do. I have Jack Grealish because he's the most valuable player in the league. Mm-hmm. I have Saeed Benrahma. Yep, same. Of Brentford, and I have. Oh no, I sorry, I play four four two. So I also have Calvin Phillips. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and Jared Bowen. See, I wasn't sure about Bowen whether he's a forward or a midfielder, but I've kind of left him on the bench. But talk to me about uh, Calvin Phillips. Is that just a, a young English got a lot of minutes under his belt kind of thing? I think that the Calvin Phillips transformation under Bielsa has been as good as any individual improvement I've seen this season. Hmm, interesting. Um, watching him in the league last year as a centre mid, and they played him at kind of, when Heckingbottom went there, he was kind of advanced centre mid, number 10 type role, or number eight that was advanced, and he was pretty pretty poor, quite frankly. His ball retention was poor. He didn't really create much or progress the ball. He was just quite athletic. Hmm. Seeing Bielsa knocking back from centre-half to, to defensive mid, kind of make him a ball winner and then a giver to the to the more basically exciting and more creative players. He does that job better than anyone else in the league. Mm. Um, he's been extremely good at it and he's 22-23. I think with his growth under Bielsa, because of that Bielsa tag as well, if they got promoted, he's worth 15, 20 million quid. Mm. He's, he's, he is of anyone's money. Anyone who's shopping for a defensive mid that wants to impact the game, Calvin Phillips is better than a lot of players in the Premier League, a lot. Fair enough. Um, so my midfield was 
uh, Grealish and Ben Rama as well. Then a bit of a wild card. I took Jack Clark of Leeds in here. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see that on the basis that. that surely Leeds would get uh, David Brooks money for him, given that he's yeah. young, lot of hype. You know, is is a bit raw, I guess. Bit of a sort of uh, yeah, he's going to miss some time this season. There's also there's really strong parallels with what we saw from Brooks last season. So yeah, I loved yep. him in there as a a high value player. Uh, and Daniel James was my other one. I know he's sort of been used more as a forward a little bit. Um, yeah. I- I, I had him slashed. Yeah, we'll get to forwards, but I had him. I got I've got four forwards names because I couldn't pick between them. So Fair but yeah, he, he, he's definitely. I mean, I think Leeds tried to. Leeds nearly got him in January for yeah. five million quid, which would have been which a is deal, insane because his value now, even though he's only done tidbits of impressive stuff for Swansea, you know, he's he's clearly a very brilliant player. But in terms of the actual goals and assist impact, it's you know it, it's been in and out. But the goal for Wales the other day, and then. It, it's like the consistency comes, doesn't it? In peaks and yeah. troughs with these youngsters, and when they're at their peak, Dan James is certainly high value. Surely, so, yeah. surely he's worth three times that right now. Yeah, three times I, what Leeds I, are going to pay. I think the only thing that could stop that is a contract. I don't know what his contractual issue is. I don't know if he's right. up next season or something. So obviously that has an impact on value. But you're you're right in terms of valuing the player himself. He's a fifteen twenty million quid player, isn't he? Mm. All right, go on then. Give me your give me your attackers. Uh, I've got uh, Shea Adams. Mm-hmm. Simply because Birmingham rejected eighteen million <laughs> somehow. <Yep. laughs> uh, Neil Morpe. Yep. Because Brentford rejected twelve million. Um, Callum Robinson and Dan James. So uh, Callum Robinson got injured earlier on in the season and it, it ruined his season because it's pretty much for so many games. But at that point, he was the highest scoring wide forward in the league mm. with the best dribbling stats as well. When you put that together, you get a player worth 12, 15 million quid easy. Um, I know Brim Preston rejected bids for eight to 10 million last year. So he was on his way and on a trajectory to be worth more. Perhaps the injury might have stunted that, which is why in my team I picked Adams and Morpe. And then Dan James for everything you said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about Robinson, but I, I left him out because of that injury reason. So my, yeah, I've got a front three. Morpe is, is younger than I thought, actually. I think he's only 23. Um, yep. So a lot of value, as you say, Che Adams. Uh, you know, as much as we might not like to hear it, although we sort of do because we've got the sell-on clause apparently. So yeah, yeah, go for yeah. big money. And then I went for uh, Buendia of Norwich. Uh, you know, again, uh, pretty young player. I think he's only 22, 23. Uh, great output of goals and assists this season. And uh, yeah, it just seemed much more valuable as an attacker, especially if I'm playing uh, James in midfield. So yeah, some some big bucks there among that team. I think. I, I do think there is a quick point though. That you're right. You're bang on. My team, I. Apart from Ben Rama, I mean, Jared Bowen's Welsh, but, you know, British. Mm. You know, apart from those guys, it's really hard to pick a foreign player from the championship because even though technically Buendia, Steeperman, I could go Onel Hernandez at Norwich as well. Mm. Um, you know, a couple of other Brentford players. You don't think of them as being higher value than the English guys. No. You know, I, I don't think of Buendia as probably being worth more than Calvin Phillips, even though he probably has more impact. I it's weird, that, isn't it? It's really weird. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so there's our, our combined value 11. Peter Thompson also asks, seeing as it's international week, uh, <laughs> and we'll do this quickly, what is the best English 11 from the championship um, and I, again, I left out any lone players. It was purely team players from the championship itself. Uh, and then how far do they make it in the Euros and how many do they beat Scotland by? It's a, a sick burn, Peter, but I like it. Um, I'll, I will let you go first because I, I struggled for a, a fourth defender. So I'm going to nick one of I, yours. But go on. I, will do, I will do goalkeeper and defenders first and then you can do midfielders. All so right. I had, um, I was torn between Butlin and Henderson in the goal. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I picked Butland overall because yeah. I think just experience-wise. Max Aaron's at right back. Kieran Gibbs at left back. Oh, that's a good shout. O'Connell and Adam Webster as the two centre halves. That would be Adam Webster of Bristol City, formerly of Millwall. Ipswich Town. Adam Ipswich Webster, Town. who I, Adam Webster, who I wrote about in the summer in the Sheffield Star, saying we should assign him because statistically he was great alongside John Egan, and they've both done brilliantly. Nice done. That's a good defence. I like that. Good <laughs> shout on. Good shout on Kieran Gibbs. Uh, yeah, I was basically. I had Lloyd Kelly as, uh, but I basically picked two right backs. I wasn't thinking about um, no, formation at this point. Um, I've got three uh, three midfielders, three attackers. So my midfield, Jack Grealish, obviously. Yeah. Then it, it gets a bit tricky. Then this this team would be great to watch, but probably because they lose four three every game. <laughs> uh, Luke Freeman, everybody's favourite, and then uh, Ollie Watkins of Brentford. Uh, okay, good okay. young, uh, just. Technically, very good midfielder. Not having the best season this year, I don't think. But uh, from memory, pulled up a lot of trees last season. So, yeah, that, that's my midfield. How about you? I went for Jack Grealish. I went for Calvin Phillips. Mm-hmm. And I went for John Swift. Oh, left field. Is he even English? Yeah. Played for the under twenty one for some time. Oh, right. I live. I really think that John Swift would be one of the best players in the championship if he had two knees. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's well known from a couple of my friends who do scouting work and, and anyone who's ever been involved in that type of thing that John Swift left Chelsea kind of for the same Sam Hutchinson Wednesday reasons in the fact that he's he's injured. Mm. Basically, he's just constant. He's never going to do 36, 37 games in a season of good form because he's always injured. If he had ankles and knees, he would be one of the best players in the league. His stats are on par with Duffy's mm. uh, in terms of per 90. He's not far below Pablo Hernandez type stats mm. in terms of creativity. He's a brilliant player just in a poor team and with injury concerns. So I think he's one to watch out for, actually. If Swift gets a move in the summer, especially to someone who can keep his legs good, then he's a player. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's, what's your attack? I went for Shea Adams. Yep, same. And I went for... Now, this, this hurt. I ended up picking Jay Rodriguez. Oh, really? How, yeah, because I kind of like the whole thing. He can drop into another 10. But at the same time, I slashed him with Billy Sharp. Yeah. I so did. What, so did I. Hang on. Have you got two two forwards or three? Uh, oh, three. Sorry. Yeah, Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins, third forward. Ah, sorry, because you okay. mentioned him as a midfielder. I had him as a wide forward. So I imagine Shea and Ollie Watkins out wide and then a striker of either Rodriguez or Sharp in the middle. Yeah, I went with Dwight Gale over uh, Rodriguez. Just, um, I don't know. Maybe that's Maybe that's... A bit of a left field choice as well, but you know he has a great pedigree at championship level. There's very, yep. very few. Yeah, if you can only pick from championship players, I think he does get in just the sheer weight of goals he scored at this level. Even if he That's does fair. chuck himself to the floor I, a lot, but yeah, I think you have to play Billy I, Sharp, don't you? I tell you, the other left field one I had next to Swift. I, I mentioned Swift because I don't want to mention too many names because people might lose track. But I actually had Swift slash Romain Sawyer's at Brentford. I think mm. I don't know if he's. In, I don't know if he's. He's definitely English. I don't know if he qualifies to play for England or some other country, but as in a dual passport. But I think Sawyer's is awesome. Bloody brilliant. Some of the passing he does, you know, to create through balls and things. I really like him. He's one who could go for, for a decent transfer this summer. Yeah, he's older than I thought. Actually. I'm just looking up. He's 27. He has he has played for St. Kitts and Nevis 26 times. He is English qualified as well, but I okay. presume that would rule him out of contention if he's played in some... Yeah, he's played, for, he's played some qualifiers for them, so... Okay. would miss out on that one. But yeah, they're still a pretty good team, I think. How far would they get at the Euros? Would they get out of uh, groups? 
depends on the group, wouldn't it? You know, I don't want to get too tactical, but it. it would depend on the group. But yeah, it's a good side, isn't it? I mean, it's Butland's an England player. Gibbs has played for England. We think O'Connor will. Max Aaron's definitely will. Grealish should. Yeah, there's a lot of if youth, had... a lot of technical ability there. There's pace, yeah. There's good play. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. They there's definitely the, beat Scotland. There's the greatest finisher of modern times. Yeah, I think the outside chance of getting out of a group that doesn't contain, you know, three incredible Samson. teams. Germany, yeah. Germany, yeah. They, uh, they beat Scotland unless John Fleck plays for them, which will never happen. So. <laughs> no, obviously not. I would say they beat Scotland <laughs> eight times out of ten. That's, I, li- I like the fact that we are a statty pod and you've pulled out a ratio. I like that. <laughs> Scotland, I really do. Scotland are terrible. Um, all right, that was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, so I'm going to skip the question that Matt asked about the ownership battle because I discussed that a bit with Kieran Maguire of priceoffootball.com on the previous podcast. So do go and listen to that one if you haven't done. We talked a lot about football finances and the ownership battle itself as much as we could. So the next one, a question close to your heart, Jay. Oh, Uh, no. Jody Evans asks, where would David Brooks fit into this Blades team if he had remained for another season? Which I think is a fascinating question. Go ahead. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly (laughs) what I thought. I'm, I'm normally Mr. Mouth, know-it-all, trying to you know make out I know all these things. I honestly don't know. I don't think he could be a number 10 in this team mm. because the 10, especially in the last five or six games because of the, the difficulty of the fixtures, has had to do a heck of a lot of defensive work. Yeah, And I think Brooks, even though we thought Dal might be, Dal's actually quite effective at that. I think Brooks would be a bit of a passenger. So I think that Brooks, he would have probably been somewhere between the 10 and the second striker. Do Perhaps. you think he'd be playing though? Like, this is the thing with Brooks. I sort of wonder if he actually would be like playing every game or playing. This I don't is... know. If, if feel, in retrospect, this feels more and more like a move that works out for both parties. Even if it would have been nice to get two or three so times I, as much money. I get a bit of stick on Twitter sometimes because I've, I've sent some tweets in the past saying basically I could understand the transfer. Yeah, and then I, I send some tweets where it's different, so that these things aren't relative. I can understand why we sold him, and I can understand why he might not be playing for us at the minute. I agree with you, but at the same time, I can be sad that he's gone and mm. cry that we don't have him anymore <laughs> because his natural talent is incredible. He is going to be a forty, fifty million pound top six player mm. without a shadow of a doubt. But he doesn't naturally fit our system. We would have to change how we play to get the most out of him. I think which. Which is which you could do, and we could still be second and be Sheffield United yeah. because the quality of the players and how good Brooksy is, and he would have kicked on another year with full fitness as well. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. People say, "Oh, David Brooks for us, you know, he was good but not great." Yeah, he played with a bloody virus. You know, he was unfit. People are normally out for three or four weeks. He was asked to come back earlier and still produce more, you know, chance, chances created per night than anyone else in the team. So it's it's insane how good he was, but. We have a bespoke system and our players fit that system. It's been built for the players that we had at the time yeah. and we've bought players in to suit that system. Brooks doesn't quite do that. He was always the maverick. That's why he ended up playing that game away at Wednesday up front, basically, with Leon because mm. we didn't really have any other option. I think if Brooksy was here, we wouldn't have had to have bring in Scott Hogan. I'm not sure we would have bought Kieran Dowell or Ben Woodburn mm. earlier in the season either. I think Brooks would have done the, the number 10 share with Duffy and also played the second striker as well. Yeah. Um, which is the only... But he wouldn't have probably got us as many minutes as people think he wouldn't have been a dead cert starter in the yeah. system unless he would have exploded on the scene but I miss him I think he would have played as the second striker is my answer I don't think he would have been a 10 um, he, he may well have probably saved us some money and wages on Hogan or something but yeah I would have loved to have seen him stay longer but at the same time can understand it yeah 
No, I, uh, I very much share that opinion. Right, so we're now moving on to uh, a bunch of related questions to do with promotion. So I'll, I'm going to clump most of these together and we can talk about them generally. So the great Cleon, one of the uh, the original fans of Blades. The legend. The legend that is Cleon asks, uh, uh, we know we have a special team and all the players play a big part. If we get promoted... I know these players will get a chance to prove their worth, but at the same time, we need to strengthen and bring better players in. Who do you see as missing out in that scenario? And there's some related questions around this. Alex Leonard says, how do you think the current squad would fare in the Premier League? Where would it be necessary to strengthen if we got promoted? Jimmy the Blade, where do we need to strengthen? Who deserves the opportunity? Uh, huge jump, but every one of that first 11 should get a chance with us bringing in top championship talent to push, e.g., uh, i.e. a Bradley Dack. Gary O'B says, "How would if we went up? How would you like to see us use the sudden influx of money, uh, i.e., invest in youth, trust the majority of the squad? Can we realistically be competitive in the Premier League without risking financial future?" And Alex Stone says, "If the dream were to happen and we were to get promoted, what players would you like to see come into Bramalane in the summer? Being realistic, obvs hashtag no Messi allowed, unfortunately. So th- there's many facets of this. Um, I-, I guess the." Yeah, let, let's start with the slight negative. Who who do you think would drop out of the team or which areas would we need to upgrade uh, if we got promoted? Where do you think? So the, I think the key for that is you've got to look at the squad right now. And mm. right now we have an on-loan goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go back to Man United, right? We might sign him in the end if we go up, but he's going to go back to Man United first. Yeah. So our squad list is instantly going to be reduced to Simon Moore as the goalkeeper. I like Simon Moore. He's a great backup goalkeeper. I think he does a job in the championship, but he ain't a Premier League goalkeeper. Yeah. So straight away, we'd have to buy a goalkeeper. That that we'd that, that would be the number one target, wouldn't it? And now that might be Dean Henderson. There might be, a, I'm not speculating, but there might be something in place if Dean gets promoted that we get him on another loan perhaps. So Man, you can judge him in the Premier League. Mm. That's probably the best case scenario, I would imagine. Um, but that that would be the number one target, wouldn't it? I, that's I guess that's logic. I, I guess um, it is. But I don't know. I, I still feel like goalkeepers. I don't know. It still feels like not the most important position to strengthen. Although obviously we would need to. It, that's the thing. I agree with you. It's probably not the most important to strengthen. But then you look at teams that have come up um, recently, and they've all got goalkeepers that make a difference that have stayed up mm. Bournemouth aside perhaps because they had Arthur Boric who was about as mental as me <laughs> um, but you look at Burnley had Tom Heaton yeah, admittedly Wolves, had that little um, injury Ruby Patricio Portuguese keeper yep yep um, Brighton so originally I can't remember if they had Dave Stockton when they first come up but they've gone and signed Matt Ryan who's an excellent goalkeeper mm. from Valencia there is a real because no matter what side you come up, no matter how good you are at playing football uh, and how you play stylistically, whether you're low block, whether you go and try and win the game, whatever you might do, you're going to concede more chances in the Premier League. You are, and yeah. you're going to need a shot stopper. You're going to need someone who can keep the ball out, and it, it becomes more important in the Premier League than it does in the Championship. We could probably play Simon Moore right now and still be second in the league because although Dino's had a good season, I don't think Dino's had to be extraordinary. The boys in front of him have been. Hmm. So I, I think a goalkeeper is, has to be, and I don't want to dwell too much more on that, but that would have to be. I think the other thing that you have to look at is the, the one word that everyone says and there's always a debate about, which is pace. Mm. Uh, the, the Premier League is without... I don't think it's quicker in terms of intensity. I think the, the ball moves quicker in the championship from front to back. Um, mm. But I think players are quicker in the Premier League. So I, I don't think there is a Leroy Sane in the championship. No. 
Fortunately. Um, I, I know he, I know he's a one-off. You know, Dan James is quite over. I, generally, I think there's some more, especially wingers-wise, there's faster, trickier players who are more dynamic. And we would have to beef up the squad with a bit of pace in certain areas. Um, where that is, wingers, forwards, I think, definitely. The other thing to be would be the average age of the forward players. Mm. So Kieran, Dal- Kieran Dowell's going to go back to Everton. Again, we might sign him, but he's going to go back. Um, Ho- uh, considering Hogan and Medine go back and we don't sign them, we're left with hardly any strikers. We've got two. Yeah. You know, if you don't count the ones that are currently out on loan that are going to clearly be sold if we get promoted like Clark or, or released. So we've got two strikers who are both over 30, which we'd need to sort out because regardless of if we stayed up or come down, we need to freshen that up. And we do need to get players who can last three, four years. And Mark Duffy would be our only number 10, who mm. again, I mean, his minutes have dropped off massively recently, haven't they? Yeah. So I think I think the three key areas for me would be keeper, forwards and a number 10. Yeah, I feel like we probably would roll with much the same squad and just try our best to like gradually replace those players. I'm not sure we'd be like... I don't know if it'd be like we need those three players immediately to start the season, if you know what I mean. Like, it has to be dropped, parachuted straight into the team. But, yeah. I don't, I don't think it'd have to be, but I think we'd have to buy them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah, the start of, of the season. Like, obviously, you need the keeper... Um, you'd need Mark Duffy's on his own he doesn't play that many minutes at the minute so we have to buy a number 10 or loan one mm. and we have to buy forwards because we only have two I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm discounting Connor Washington because I'm assuming he's on a 12 month deal and gets released at the end of it mm. so we, we would have to have those in place can we find better for our system if we continue the same system that's a hard one um, I, I to answer one of the other questions involved in that actually just to get cancel off some questions I think we'll follow the Burnley Bournemouth type model I know Bournemouth spent a lot of money but I think we'll follow the model both to get there and while we're there we don't have foreign scouting networks so Mm. we ain't going to see an influx of foreign players it's not going to happen because we don't have networks set there to find these gems that other clubs don't know about if other clubs know about them they can blow us out of the water so we will sign the best of the championship if we get promoted Mm. it will still be a predominantly British team I have no like even question about that whatsoever. We'll probably go and see us try and buy Callum Robinson again. I know we were interested in the summer. Yeah, I'm not sure but we, we might look at players like Bradley Dack as that number 10 slash forward. You know, um, I, th- I think that's obvious we'll do that because that's that would be the best thing to do. That's where Alan and, and Chris and Paul Mitchell have got their contacts to find out about the players' characters and, and they've judged them over four or five seasons. So, that's clearly what our strategy would be, go and recruit the best of the championship. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the, to sort of circle back, this Gary O'Biasis, you know, how would I like us to use the sudden influx of money? And yeah, for me, it is, um, it's try and get the overall age of the squad down, I think. you know, Massively. We're, we're in a, a great moment right now with you know players at their peak, etc. But yeah, there's a few, there's a lot of players hitting 30, a lot of key players hitting 30, I guess. Um, and yeah, I would hope that we would, yeah, kind of safeguard... It's- for the future by bringing in some younger players. It's a concern. It's a genuine, it's, uh, you don't want to bring it up as a negative, but it is a concern for the five-year plan. Yeah. You know, as fans, we're thinking the now because that's all we can because we're second in the league and we're on the verge of the Premier League and also we, we have no idea who's going to own our football club. Mm-hmm. And that will rage on past the summer because whatever decision gets made will probably get appealed. So, you know, that, that'll rumble on. And, and that is a problem. That is definitely a problem. But as fans, we need to be thinking in five, ten years' time, you know, what side are we going to see? Where's it going to be? And the one thing that we need to do is, is bring the average age down so players can grow with us like O'Connell has. 
like mm. Bulldog has, like Fleck has in a way. And that's great that we have those. But as you say, Stevens is not old. He's still got three good years in him. Without a shadow of a doubt, that's fine. But you need to start looking at that, you know, um, strikers and, and number 10s, which is normally the area you have the, the age lower, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's normally at the back that you have the age higher. We're yeah, kind of yeah. opposite in that regard. But it definitely needs to be done because these minutes will have to be reduced as these players age. And if you're talking about going into an intense Premier League season, needing a hundred percent effort out of everyone, then we would have to go and I mean I'd love us to go and go and sign some of the best of the championship because I personally think some of the best of the championship is better than some of the lower half Premier League players from foreign climbs. So mm. I don't think that would be a bad strategy at all. Cool. All right. I think we covered uh, quite a bit with that one. So some let's answer these ones super quick now. Okay. Uh, so Aswad Kadir asks do you think we should try and sign Medine and Hogan permanently, either for the Prem if we go up or for the Championship in case that we don't? Uh, I don't think we should, really. I think we should just just look elsewhere, to be honest, rather than... I mean, those players are going to be on good money at the clubs they're on at the minute. It'll cost a lot to sign and we'll have to pay them a lot. I would rather, referring back to what we just talked about, explore some younger options instead who could potentially be our players for five or six years and you know have some good resale value. What do you think? Yeah, same. Not much to add. Um, but he's done really well. No problem mm. with him. Hogan, we haven't really seen enough of yet. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sign them permanently. Cool. All right. Uh, skipping to this one. Uh, Julian Taylor asks: Has the Medine sending off against Brentford unintentionally been a major positive or contribution to our season? Winning against Great adversity. Question. Winning against adversity has further added, added to the mental toughness of this team. It is a good question. Go on, I'll let you first step at that one. It's a great question because it's something I'd not really thought of in depth. You know, mm. yeah, when he got sent off, that win against Brentford clearly gave the side a lot of confidence. So has it unintentionally been a positive? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's been a positive, but it certainly contributed because that win against Brentford showed the, the rear guard action that then rolled into the Leeds game. Even though it tired the players because they had to, you know, run around chasing shadows when Brentford were knocking it left, right, and centre. But the fans started, I think, believing a bit more after Brentford. Mm. You know, I, I think because that was the game, wasn't it? That was the slip right there. One nil up, ten men. That was the slip. Yeah, drop and, point. And we suddenly, had, four yeah. points behind Leeds or five points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we ended up winning it. And then we roll into the Leeds game with all that confidence and also confidence that you can defend properly when you need to, which we kind of knew before, but. That really hammered it home for me. Yeah, definitely. And then we do that in the Leeds game as well. And also, perhaps Midian may have started at Leeds. So mm. maybe we wouldn't have gone with the... Uh, that wouldn't necessarily have affected it, but maybe we wouldn't have gone with the whole bash set up. I don't, it's hard to say because one thing isn't necessarily related to another, yeah. but it's certainly been more of a positive than a negative. I guess so. What well, we should probably just say in case there's any... Uh... Any United players listening to this, don't go and get sent off in the next game. <laughs> Looking for that unintentional positive. We don't need that one. Just this thought of Fleck listening in with Norwood now thinking, yeah, I'm going to smash Lloyd Kelly in the next game. Uh, all right, I'm going to jump around a little bit uh, here because there's some that I definitely don't want us to miss. So on, let's mate. see. All right, here we go. James Clark asks... Can you provide some analysis on Baldock versus Freeman? It's a debate, uh, a debate that divides fans. Would be good to know what the stats say and how they compare in some of the key parts of their game. Now, I, I looked at this myself from uh, who scored stats. Um, both have conveniently played almost exactly the same amount of minutes now, so we have a good comparison. Um, defensively, it seems to me that Baldock is a much more superior player 
But have, is, is that what you've got from the Who Scored stats? Yeah. So ah. uh, I have um, Baldock edging it on successful tackles, on interceptions. Admittedly, it's fairly close. Clearances are basically the same. Shots blocked basically the same. More crosses blocked, though, 0. 0.5 to 0. 0.2 per 90, that is. The big one, though, from defensive is the dribbled past stat. So Baldock's yep. dribbled past, the amount of times he gets beaten... Uh, is 0.3, whereas Freeman's is 0.9, which is much higher. I didn't have the time to go and see how Baldock compares to everyone else in the division, but I would imagine that's pretty low for defenders. And also also reinforces what we know about him. He's very, very athletic, very, you know, he is one of the fastest players in the team. And so defensively, I have him as as a much more valuable player. But attack-wise, this is where Freeman does have the edge. Not only is he outscored Baldock admittedly it's only 2-1 two, two, he's got the 4 assists to Baldock 0 uh, he completes more passes he completes slightly more key passes as well um, and then the sort of dribbling and shots per game stat is pretty similar um, so yeah I don't know really in terms of like from, from my own point of view it just seems like we have two very comparable uh, right wing backs one of whom is slightly better at attacking one of whom is slightly better at defending what's, what's I- your take? Um, obviously, different data providers have different data, like different data metrics type thing. So I, I got similar for the the standard defense things like tackles and interceptions. But interestingly, Kieran Freeman has a better percentage in a lot of things. So his dual win rate is a better percentage. He's better in the air. He's uh, yes, you're right. Scored more, assisted more. Um, the the interesting one for me is probably the dribbles and crosses because that's yeah, I think that's all, what a lot of our right wing backs going to do. Baldock's actually better. So he's a better dribbler in terms mm. of his actual successful dribbles per game. He's also a better crosser in terms of accuracy and Very he does more of them. And it, it, yeah, it's tight. It is tight. I'm looking across the way. It's tight. Probably the biggest thing is really is we don't have athletics, athletics type stats, to, you know, but to the eye, clearly Baldock is stronger, faster and fitter than mm. Freeman. I think this is down to the whole argument. If you could roll the two into one, you'd have a £20 million right back. Because quite frankly, Kieran Freeman's attacking stats are off the chain. So as right wing back goes, there's only Max Ahrens who plays more final third passes than him. Mm. In terms of key passes and chances created, he's up there in the top three. Deep completions, so kind of passes within 25 metres of the opposition goal. He's one of the best in the league at. He's expected assists per 90. He's better than anyone else in the league from right wing back. Hmm. He plays more forward passes than George could get per game. Yeah, basically, he's you know he's really really good in the final third, Kieran Freeman. I think that's the thing. He's a better technical player. So when the space gets hmm. tight and you're asking someone to play intricate little balls in and around corners, um, Kieran Freeman's much better than that at George. I still think overall, and this season's proved it. I would pick George. Yeah, simply because. He gives me that confidence. A, he's not going to get beat, but B, that he's because of his athleticism, he can support the play. But there is an argument to suggest when we're playing opposition, especially in the, the lower half, if you will, Freeman probably could have a better impact in the game because we control the ball better. Yeah. So you're not asking him to do the running. You're asking him to do the things in tight areas, which he does better than Bald- Baldock. In fact, he does better than anyone else in the league. Right. It's a nice position to be in, to uh, have, it's have not bad. two of them that are of a very good standard. and. Yeah, as you say, pretty, pretty comparable, I suppose. Right, next question. Um, I like this one a lot, um, and it is, is, may lead me down a rabbit hole in the future, actually, in more detail. Uh, Matthew Plews, apologies if I mispronounced your name there, asks, where does this team stand against 0203? So that was the triple assault season that reached the semifinals and the playoff final. 
0506 when we got promoted, and 0809, which was the last time we were in the Championship playoff final. Thinking back to 0203, this is Matthew saying, uh, in particular, it strikes me that a lot of Michael Brown's goals were probably quite low XG chances, which is a very good point because pretty much all of them were 25-yard volleys. So I looked at this. <laughs> this is a great question. I love this. Um, and also, it's not not getting ahead of ourselves, tempting fate with the football gods or anything because there's, uh, there's two teams there that didn't actually achieve anything. So how do we compare? So... Uh, in 0203, uh, we had 80 points, but we finished at the end of the season. We finished 12 points off second, so we have 74 points at the moment. Obviously, we're in second. 0506, we had 92 points and finished nine points clear of third place. And in 0809, we had 80 points and finished three points off second. So we're clearly going to surpass the points total of 0203 and 0809. If we get to 92 points this season, I think we probably, I would say, 95% likely to get promoted. Um, I do think looking back that 0203 team was was pretty special and had a, had a great balance to it. I mean, we had four players hit double figures for goals. We had great variety in attack with the classic Warnock just sign all the strikers thing. So our, our attack was Asaba, Pesky Salido, Chief Wayne Allison, Steve Cabber, Dean Windass, you know, a, a great variety of attacking talent there you know you've got your sort of your target man, your skillful players, you know, your kind of poacher players in Pesky Salido. Not really sure he described Dean Windass, but he scored uh, scored some important <laughs> goals down the season. Uh, beyond that, you've got uh, Peter and Love and Tong having, you know, if not their one of if not their best seasons for us. Defense was decent. Uh, Paddy Kenny was outstanding. Sean Murphy, Jaggy Elka, Robert Page, Stuart McCall in midfield, and obviously I haven't even mentioned Michael Brown yet. It's it, actually looking back at that, it's amazing that team didn't get promoted and finished twelve points off second. But there was a bit of a uh, Leicester City financial oh. curveball in there, which they kind of got mm. away with. Um, 0506 was kind of the evolution of that. We had Chipperley, Cabra, and Weber with uh, you know variety up front, and they all scored ten plus. Eiffel and Jagielka chipped in with a lot of goals. Defense was good with Morgan, Unsworth, Armstrong, and Bromby. It was just a, a solid team with goals from a lot of areas. 0809 by contrast, a bit of a mishmash, I thought. Only BT at double figures, and uh, I think he was sold midway through the season. We basically ended up relying on Greg Halford up front. To be honest, looking back at that, I think it was a pretty average championship team overall. Just yeah. like really solid defensively. So we only conceded 39 that, that season. Uh, you know, We talked how great our defence is this season. We've conceded 30 this season. So it's it's comparable, I guess. It you know lacked any real star quality. To return to the actual question, how does this season compare? Uh, I think the 0203 team would give us a real run for our money, but um, and, and I won't want to play that lineup in a one-off game or a two-legged playoff. But I do think we're te- technically better now. We don't have to rely on moments of magic. The football's easier on the eye, even if we lose some of the kind of individual brilliance of Tong, uh, Brown, etc. And I think we're also more resilient and harder to beat as well. So. Yeah, I, 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 you know, a lot of recency bias, obviously, and football's moved on a lot in sixteen years as it is. But yeah, I, I would take this team over over those three. I think. There you go. Long-winded answer. What do you reckon? <laughs> um, well, you've gone long-winded, so I have to go short. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is the best Sheffield United team I've seen in my lifetime. The That's current a incarnation way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. The O two O three team certainly. On paper, you look back now and some of the names don't look like much, but at the time, you know, at the time, Michael Brown, Michael Tong, these were players that were very highly rated. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, you know, we beat Liverpool and, you know, there's things like this going on. It it, it was an amazing team, really. It also had some 
No, you just faced Don. He had some hard-working players in, shall we say, some industrious players without much quality. Mm. Um, but the team ethic and and that I agree with you. In a one-off game, such a hard team to beat. However, just looking at some general type of stats, looking at it, so that team scored seventy-two goals in forty-six games. This team has already scored sixty-four in thirty-eight. Yeah, you would assume we're going to beat that seventy-two. We're going to score at least a goal a game. I think. Yeah, for the next eight games, that team conceded. Uh, 52, 52, 52. Yeah, sorry. I know you've been. We conceded 34, so I don't think we're going to concede that many because we don't. Uh, I think this team will, at the end of the day, will score more, concede less, win more games than any. I, I just think this is the best United side. It's the best football. I think we have better individuals now in terms of quality. Mm. Maybe not necessarily impact. Um, you know, we look at the defenders back then. I know a time are different and everything like that. But Sean Murphy, Rob Page. Great players, legends, absolute legends, and tough as they come. Uh, and Rob Page could play a bit as well, if I remember rightly. He, you know, he could he could ping a long ball about, but they're not quite mm. Jack O'Connell. No. Um, you know, Cosy will be one of my favourite ever United players because I've done a night with Rob Coslock before, and just some of the stories are incredible. Absolute <laughs> banner heaven. He is just a what a man. But you know, quality wise, not quite there. I just think that this side is the best side, and I think we should all love and appreciate it regardless of where it finishes because. I've never seen a Sheffield United side like this side. No. Great shout. Uh, all right, Kingsley asks, what is Wilder's top three and bottom three signings? Oh. Go on, give them to me oh. quickly. I mean, this is hard. So top three, John Fleck, okay. Jack O'Connell, and I'm going to have to say it, even though it's only one season, Ollie Norwood. Yeah, that's, that's the top three I've gone for as well. Uh, in in uh, Jack O'Connell is the top one just because oh, yeah, yeah, of the yeah. value that I think we'll get out of him. Um, but yeah, I think you have to say Norwood for the the quality that he has and how much we paid for him. And then our three three and a half was Mark Duffy because uh, I, I don't think we should underestimate the importance of what he has brought to our team in terms of no. like making us good again, basically. Um, no, that's fair. That's fair. It was your bottom three, so worst Wilder signings. Ben Woodburn. Ooh. Cool. Okay. So, that, 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 it, obviously it was only half the season, but for the hype that was there, hmm. I'm not saying it was Wilder's fault, but it just didn't happen at all, did it, that one? Hmm. Um, go on, you go for one. I'm, I've got my next two. I just want to see if you say them. All right. So, uh, my, I struggled with my third one. I didn't actually consider Woodburn. I, I went with Ben Hennigan. He's still pretty young, but... Just seems like, well, he's like 25 now. He's obviously on loan at Blackpool. Just seems like a kind of wasted signing, really. We paid a little bit of money for him. He's barely ever got near the first team. Just a bit of a waste of time and money, I suppose. Maybe we can get our money back for him. But yeah, then the other two, uh, Chris Hussey, yeah, yeah. started the season <laughs> for us in Wonder Wilder. And yeah, just probably, probably the worst player to play for us that season, I think. I don't think that's even no. a, a, a controversial statement. Um, and yeah, there's a reason he's you know still in League Two, I think now. I'm not sure even sure where he is anymore. Yeah. And then the the worst one for me is Ricky Holmes. Just, yeah. uh, you know, no value at all out of that signing. He looked a bit out of his depth. We paid a little bit of money for him. I was expecting something out of him in the Championship, and uh, yeah, he's not going to play for us again. We won't get any money out, any money back from him. Cause obviously, thirty something. So yeah, I would think he would have to be the number one worst signing. What about you? I would. Yeah, I, I, had, so I had Chris Hussey because this, uh, I, I went down to the Millwall away game that we lost that kind of turned the tide because they got pissed on the bus on the way back. <laughs> and I remember, I remember just thinking that if Chris Hussey plays for Sheffield United, I still generally hold a hope 
of doing so um, and I'm not even with <laughs> photos but never mind um, yeah Ricky Holmes has to be because we actually spent some money on him yeah you know so I had Connor Washington down as well quite frankly because although I quite like Connor's attitude what impact he's going to have on this season is apart from the Brentford away win it's pretty yeah. much nothing but, but such a low risk signing though wasn't it? and we knew that at the time I guess from it, it I'd defend that one it, because it's filled a gap we didn't have enough strikers and also it was free yeah. And I'm guessing he's on absolute pittance. But at least you know, with Holmes, we actually paid money. Mm. Um, so I had Holmes down. Um, yeah, did, I just I couldn't quite remember. Did Wilder sign Samir Carruthers? Yes. That is definitely in there then. I thought about because that, I, but I understood, you know, some flashes. I, underst- I, thought he looked, I, un- I thought he looked good. I understood it because I love Samir Carruthers at MK Dons. And actually, when we were linked with him, I thought, great signing. And he actually had some games where he was okay. Yeah. where you, th- you saw a flash, you know, he either pressed well or he's good on the ball, quite nifty and quick. But then overall, you're just thinking, we've probably paid him decent money. Like he's at, I believe he's at Oxford on loan now. Yeah, he's been injured for most of the season, I think. He's only played yeah, nine league games for them. And I've got an Oxford fan who's a friend and apparently they're paying most of his wages, if not all of them. But he's on a good wedge as well. So, mm. compar- you know, comparatively to them, to us now, it's not that big. But from when we were in League One, so I just wonder. But yeah, Chris, I see Ricky Holmes and I've gone Ben Woodburn. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Chuck asks, what would happen if Jack O'Connell and John Egan ran into each other? Um, Hiroshima. Yeah, because it's like when Thanos activates the Infinity Gauntlet. Just, half, half of life on Earth is wiped out. Did anyone used to watch Gladiators? Of course. I, when, when Rhino and Hunter used to have a fight. Like, that, that, is, that is just two big bulls <laughs> smashing into each other. The world would end. <laughs> Earthquakes all around everywhere. Just... Two absolute brick wall man mountains. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. All right, next one. Uh, what was this one? Uh, Martin asks, uh, if you could swap one of our current team from a player for a player from our last promotion side, so that was 0506, who would you choose and why? I, I struggled with this, to be honest, but I would slightly controversially say uh, drop Jagielka in for Chris Basham. And I had to work really hard to to come up with somebody to that one. <laughs> Jagielka was like yeah. peak, peak of his powers yeah. there. And also the big thing is, like Basham, he has the ability to play in midfield as well as defence. He gives us the opportunity to switch things up on the fly. But to be honest, it's it's difficult. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying Basham is as good as Jagielka was in 05-06. But it's, no, but it's, like, it's the system again, isn't it? Exactly that, yeah. You know, it's a hypothetical question. It's supposed to be fun, but when you, when you think of it seriously, it's like the signing of who we might we sign next year. Yeah, Callum yeah. Robinson's fantastic. He's a left winger. He was the replace. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like the system is so bespoke that it's really. I agree with you, Jags, because at that time Jags was quite athletic mm-hmm. as well, and he'd, he'd obviously played centre mid. He'd gone back to right back and eventually ended up at centre half. So yeah, Jags is for Bash would probably be the best one um, because no one in that team has the quality of anyone in this team now. Yeah, and I'm looking through the I'm looking through the squad list now. Tongi wasn't at his peak then. I guess that was a few years before. He was good then, yeah, but not his so peak. Um, but I don't think Tongi replaces Norwood or Fleck. No, and I don't think any of the strikers replaced the four either. Even you know with Hogan's kind of limited impact, particularly if you if you're going if you're just looking at a starting eleven anyway. Yeah, exactly a starting eleven. Yeah, because through the squad, I could probably pick someone. Um, you know, Stephen Quinn probably better than John Lundstrom, for example. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, There's no one apart from Jags really. That's it. That's really good actually when you look at that. Do you want a, do you want a sacrilegious hypothetical? Go on then. Paddy Kenny for Dean Henderson. Yeah, seen this and no, no. I know Paddy at that time was fantastic, but I think that a lot of us 
bought into the kind of like we're doing with Dino, I guess now really the, the Paddy Warnock hype. The personality sure. it was a force of personality, Paddy, and and also it was the first the first time we'd had a good goalkeeper since uh, I'd say since Kelly and Tracy. So and we at like six seven oh, years there, and we bought him. I, yeah. I, I was thinking about Paddy. The fans bought Paddy. I remember that. I can remember the buckets going around the cop for the fee from Bradford Park Avenue at the time. So <laughs> I remember chucking in my pocket money at the time. So it's like, you know, it, it was always that fan connection. I guess the only other one you could say, and it would be controversial because Egan's been brilliant, would be perhaps Morgan for Egan. Mm. I, I think Morgan in his prime would match most centre-halves that we've ever had because he was just a colossus. He really he was. He wasn't the ball player that Egan is, but as a natural defender goes, and as a captain and a leader, Chris Morgan was probably one of our best we've ever had in that position. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, I'm conscious we're, we're overrunning a little, so let's try and do these quickly. Uh, right, so if you've got a few more minutes. Yeah, we can, do, we can do up to kind of 12 past. All right, cool. So Dan Money asks, and try and answer this one very concisely, from an analytical point of view, what's been the biggest difference between last season and this? The, ba- the balance between our play. So we play more to the right-hand side. Someone else asked a question about how Stevens has improved. Has that been affected by Norwood? I think mm. the answer is yes. Norwood has had a balance. So last year, a lot of our play, 45%, eventually went down the left-hand side in terms yes. of attacking contributions. Um, it's more balanced this season. We have ability to go down the right more because Norwood plays in that right channel and he sprays the ball more to that side. So I think we're more balanced. Um, and I think people just know the system even better than last year. They've, they've perfected it even more and we create m- more high quality chances this season. I think, again, the Norwood factor, we, we create more chances. So mm. I think that's the, the two biggest analytical points between last year. We create more chances and we have a much more balanced play on both sides of the field. Yeah, nothing to add to that. Uh, to return to the, the man with the jumble of uh, letters as his Twitter handle. Uh, who do you reckon is the next United captain once Billy leaves? He says it's between three for him, but doesn't nominate them. So just, just hypothetically, let's assume that Sharp scores five more goals, gets promoted this season, decides to hang his boot up and become our uh, uh, next assistant coach in, in the waiting. I think the next captain would probably be John Egan. It's, it's interesting because I think Norwood gets the armband now, doesn't he? He does, yep. I think Norwood gets the armband now, and I think for right now, Ollie probably is the leader. Mm-hmm. If you look at, I look at how they interact on the pitch. I know Egan demands that back, commands that back three, but I just look at Ollie. We've talked about it before, laughing around the pitch in high pressure situations. True interview interviews as well. You just listen to him, his experience. You know, oh, that's a massive win, that isn't it? Not really. It's just three points. We move on to next week. You know, Norwood is is epitome of calm and experience. So I would say Norwood right now, but that's obviously quite short term because I'm not sure Ollie has four or five years left in him at the top level. Yeah. So, you know, in the centre midfield position where you need to be quite athletic and he's not the best right now, never mind when he's 32. So I'd expect, for me, I'd go Norwood, but with O'Connell not far behind him. Hmm, interesting. I think Egan, like, I just don't seem to see Egan sort of organising more, particularly when we've been under the cosh a little bit at, uh, yeah, at Leeds, fair. for example, you know, sort of pulling players into position, that kind of thing. But right. I do think... I do think go positionally, on. go on, I'll be quick. I do think positionally that's because he's the central one of the three, so he's always that's the deepest. Fair. Yeah. Which, in some in some respects, is a, a an even better reason to make him captain, I suppose. But there That's you go. Fair. Right, also two more quest, two more quick questions, and to finish off. So, uh, this this brings us back to the present. Roger Green, can we carry on at the amazing recent form for eight more games without a slip? And what are the danger fixtures in your view? Now we touched on this a little, but we touched on the danger fixtures in our previous podcast. I guess can we carry on the amazing recent form? Yes or no? What do you think? Yes and no. I think we can carry on the amazing form, but we'll, we will definitely slip up a result or two before now and the end of the season. Yeah, we're not going to end the season with 15 straight wins, are we? 
No. If you think that's going to happen, get a quid on it immediately. Yeah. No, yeah. it's definitely it's 100% that's not going to happen. 100% we're not going to continue to keep clean sheets forever in a day. Yeah. Um, the, the danger fixtures are clearly the, the, the pressed in a way. I think this Saturday is a danger fixture. Hmm. I think this Saturday is a danger fixture. Bristol City are a streaky team. They're on a bad run of form, but if they turn it around in one week, they then go on to win five or six and they're battling for the playoffs. So that is yeah. a, uh, that is definitely a danger fixture this weekend. No one should be in any other mind other than that. And, and obviously Preston away is probably the biggest danger fixture. Yeah. I mean, the question is, can we carry the amazing recent form forward? Now, I would say, can we carry our form of the entire season forward? Absolutely. And, you know, keep picking up two points a game. It's just, is that going to be enough to maintain this slight advantage we have over Leeds? I have to wait and see, I suppose. Well, because we're winning more games at the minute than we're drawing, we're actually above two points per game. So mm-hmm. we can actually probably drop off slightly, as in draw the odd game, a bit more than what we're doing at the minute, and still hit two points per game, which is going to be enough for promotion for us, most likely. So Yeah, hopefully. Right, final yeah. question, and it, it comes from none other than my dad. Um, <laughs> the best question, by yeah, the way. Try and ask this without, without swearing. I'm going to rephrase it slightly. Come on, dad, you can't be using words like this. You won't be able to sit next to me at football anymore. Um, which uh, which wind-up merchant, let's put it like that, in the championship do you love? So this is in response to us talking about how much uh, how much Alioski cheesed us off in that previous <laughs> game. So, yeah, which one do you love out of those players that everyone loves to hate? Uh, Hendo's got to be up there, hasn't he? Bias-wise, because mm, yeah. of, of us. Hendo has to be up there. But he is great. He, was, he did it for Shrewsbury as well last year. Because yeah. I remember the Rotherham fans having beef with him. So yes. he fantastic at that um, God who did you have because you obviously had someone else uh, it's pretty I don't know maybe it's a, a lazy answer it's Grealish I think yeah. uh, you've got to respect that That yeah. the, the recent derby I mean gets sucker punched by that moron Birmingham fan you know doesn't react at all you know and just carries on playing the game scores the winning goal he's constantly you know he's constantly falling to the floor and winning free kicks but he he can back it up with the, with the ability and you know you can't question his the effort he puts in for the team is obviously a local lad at uh, Villa as well. Obviously, loves the team, so I respect that. So yeah, I've got, he'd be mine. I've been biased, I guess. Yeah, Grealish would definitely be up there. I've, I've been biased in this one because I could I could go around the leagues and name them, but actually, as well, Billy Sharp's a decent Hauser as well. If you, mm. you know, he's really he doesn't openly come across it, but on a pitch, watch him. Watch how he like just pokes people in the side or gives them a little nudge and just like laughs at them afterwards. He's quite. He's quite good at that. And actually, we've got a team full of them because Baldock's one as well. Yeah, that's true. Baldock's Obviously. niggly. He loves it. And I've got to say, I don't like him. I don't love him. But I know a lot of fans do. Richard Keogh, he's quite good at it. Yeah, that's true. Keogh just looks, I don't know. I know. He looks, he I know. Looks, like a, looks like a crazy man that's been, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I know. unemployed just, for a long period of time. How, how Mick McCarthy picks him above John Egan, I'll never know. But no. Well, results speak for themselves. Big Mick returns to action yesterday, and uh, it's only because he's got it's only because he's got McGoldrick. Yeah, I know. Big Mick would be nothing without McGoldrick. He's basically set up two winners now. Stand innovation for him yesterday as well. All right, mate. Uh, that that was a that was a mammoth. I really enjoyed that. Um, we got most of the questions, and we managed to combine a few as well. So, if you did ask a question and we didn't get to it, then I do apologise. But yeah. We have other things to be doing today, and I guess we've already run uh, over an hour. But yeah, any uh, any final thoughts, mate, before we both get back to work? Yeah, no, no. I think the only ones we may have missed in detail were kind of who would resign. Maybe I think some people ask that type of question, or, or at least position-wise, who would be those ones in those positions. I think 
let's put it this way, guys. If we get promoted, we'll probably address that at another time. <laughs> that is a very good way to finish it. All right, Jay, thanks so much. Obviously, people check you out uh, at Blades Analytics on Twitter. Um, yeah, thanks very much, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully catch up next week after after real football has returned. Indeed, I hope so. Let's hope, let's hope we're still sat in second and let's hope we're further ahead. That would be very nice indeed. All right, cheers, buddy. I'll speak to you later. Cheers, mate. Bye.